0: Welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Matt Donnelly is still off doing shows with Fifth Penn and I are broadcasting from the show creator studios in Las Vegas. We'll clear up the meaning of wild hair up your ass, watermelon surgeries in the big Penn Teller show, and Penn runs the screening of Penny Lane's fantastic movie, Hail Satan. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Jillette.
1: Preach yeah, love, baby. Preaching Preach love. What is it, Ready? I've just looked this up on CBS News Wild Hair and Wild Air Hair. Which is it?
2: I'm just going to read the uh, section from the worddetective.com. Okay.
0: okay. We trust the word detective.
2: Yes. You'll trust it at the end. Many words change their spellings over time, and hair is among them. You could see where this is going, can't you? The first citation for hair in the OED is from 1548. The second citation is from 1581 and contains something interesting. If his son be haughty or harebrained, he termeth him courageous. I was backwards. H-A-I-R was spelling for- H-A-R-E. Yes.
0: Oh.
2: And this spelling remained common in Scotland (laughs) well into the 18th century. If you're feeling charitable and credulous at any given moment, you might imagine that people who spelled harebrained as harebrained-
1: He pointed to his head.
2: Yep. Today are simply employing this antiquated Scott spelling, perhaps even jonesing for some tasty haggis while they do so. But it's far more likely that they're laboring under the impression that the word implies that the hairbrained person has a head full of light, fluffy, and useless hair where their brain should be. Given our culture's obsession with hair, that's entirely understandable, but it's still off the mark. I suggest we stick with hairbrained, not
0: as the rabbit. Head. And then that goes up the ass too. Yes. Okay. But here's the thing. The first part you said they would call him courageous. Can you read that again? Is that possible? He, he, no, what so hairbrained is, might mean good.
1: No, it means he means it's he's so stupid they think he's courageous. Okay. That's, yes. That's what that meant. All right. Okay. Now Alexandra Augusta Ledro Roland. Was a French politician in seven, 1874, a champion of the working classes who was forced into exile after the failure of the French Revolution in 1848. Mm-hmm. Why do I bring him up, you say? Yes. Quote, Why do you bring the him following up? well-known quote or some variation of it is often attributed to Le Drou Roland. Le Drou Roland. Le Drou Roland. Le Roland. <laughs> there go the people. I must follow them for I am their leader. Hmm? The quote is probably apocryphal. So not only was it not Gandhi and not Martin Luther King, but also not real, (laughs) but all the same, a very, very good quotation. So when you are starting the North Pole's gut talent. Yes. Okay. And, uh, you start with your show, Vinnie Grosso, Vinnie Grosso will say, uh, there go the elves. I must follow them for I am their leader. He will say that. That was my wife that sent that in. Uh, she's the one that did the research and found that out. So nice. We thank her. We thank, thank, you, thank her. We thank Emily her for Zolt. that. Also on here, we have some uh, viewer mail. We're told that uh, they have a special Texas catheter. Thomas Holliday says, one advantage of living with a surgeon is you learn that interrupting a surgery to pee is as forgiven as interrupting platelet donation to pee. The solution from the medical supply catalog is named Texas catheter and the texas catheter is this little funnel that goes into a little tube so when you see all those um all those surgery shows if they're going to be really accurate they should be wearing a, a texas
0: catheter right and they actually they uh, use a version of that on airplanes too. a lot of like on a small plane if you're flying a cessna a small cessna you might be you might have a, a device like that if texas catheter, catheter yeah. yeah
1: daniel hamza says that he was able to go to sleep listening to our podcast in two minutes that's great very good and he goes back and listens to the rest of the morning uh-huh. but if he, he went back to find what he remembered he went back to what, two minutes and he says uh if you find the story amusing which I don't really and mention <laughs> on the show which I did uh, he said that's highly unlikely which it isn't it's now hundred percent please give a shout out to my friend Mike in Dakota Mike in Dakota how you doing baby you and then Now, someone, I didn't
2: ask him where Dakota was.
1: Whether it's north or south?
2: Yeah, because he's from the UK. Apparently, he thinks they're the same.
1: <laughs> I don't think they are the same. Dakota is
0: Dakota. Do, do you care whether it's north or south? Only in deciding what clothing to bring. <laughs> really? There's a difference? North seems like it'd be colder. No. <laughs> no? All right. It's more north, presumably. Uh, and then,
1: um, and then a, a woman is sent... Pictures of herself tied up. What's what's the name of your last
2: States tour? I forgot. We had a good name for it. At the risk of not offending them, I'll say, yes, I do care.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would like to play that. And then someone, you know, were you here, or was that just Matt Donnelly when we talked about Sasha Baron Cohen and not proving that people were anti-Semitic, but just proving that people would bend over backwards to be nice? That was Matt Donnelly. That's that's Mr. Donnelly. Yeah. Well, anyway, Danny Stern says that they, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen just did a bit on art galleries mm-hmm. and, uh, showed how, how stupid the art gallery people were. And, uh, he said after he did his podcast, he does a, uh, a art dealer podcast. He said that uh, he's done a whole podcast talking about that and that people were playing along. I mean, that's what you do. You know that's my problem. Sasha Baron Cohen, I think, is one of the funniest people yes. alive today. Great actor, great ideas, great writer. But this, what he proves, is not that people are that awful, but that people are that wonderful. They are that kind and generous, and and, and they'll go along with stuff. They don't want to fight with you.
2: I actually listened to the whole thing. It's it's interesting. The, the art yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, tell us more so about so the it. the bit that Sasha did was he portrayed an artist who made stuff with his bodily fluids. Uh-huh. And he didn't she was pitched the guy without giving that information. Mm-hmm. And when she was on the the art dealer was on the show, she figured out that he was silly and she mm-hmm. was playing along. Uh-huh. Yeah. And right. so on the podcast that we've been sent, he interviews her and she explains her position.
1: Mm-hmm. It's called um artdealer.show uh, Cursity Cones, Sasha Baron Cohen, who's America. But I think if you just went to artdealer.show, you'd find it, right? It'd probably be the most recent one, yeah. yeah. artdealer.show. Then you can just find the one that has Sasha Baron Cohen in the title. That wouldn't be that hard, I don't think, to do. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is this is really weird to start a conversation with Matt Donnelly, but <laughs> to end it with Michael Godot. <laughs> but uh, you remember, you were here for them. I was. I was talking, and I wanted to get to this, because it seems so interesting. We were talking about how psychics, astrologers, yes. I don't know if you read that article in The Guardian, I think, how even though what they were doing was not supernatural, they actually were learning things about people, right? I found that really fascinating, that if you go to a psychic, now this is something I wouldn't have been able to think 15 right. years ago, Sure, but if you go to a psychic they have a lot of experience dealing with people like you who go to psychics. Yes. You've picked their demographic. So they know in your age range and your money range what kind of problems you're likely to have. And they've seen people have these problems before. So even if they're shut-eye, which you know, just means that they believe what they're doing, or whether they're actually scamming, they're actually reading you
0: in ways that could be very real and useful. Right, of course, you're overweight there. You might be diabetic or pre-diabetic.
1: No, I'm not even saying not that. Not that kind of thing? You nope. should break You should break up with
0: that girl. You know, guy comes in, you can- oh, Because he's going to the psychic.
2: Yeah. And he's in the right age range for that to be his only interest.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, the, the writer in The Guardian says, she, people would walk in the door and she'd say, break up with that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and what that tied into was the Israeli writer, the Harari, mm. the incredible books I read a few years ago. They're so good. I think it's him or Steven Pinker, two people I love the most on the planet, who talk about all skeptics, especially skeptics of animal stuff, talk about Clever Hans. And Clever Hans, for those of you who don't know, was a horse, right? A math. Whiz horse. And the horse could do arithmetic, right? So they would say to the horse, how much is five and three? And the horse would stamp, you know, the number of times. <laughs> I forget what numbers eight? I said. <laughs> eight. Would stamp. Eight. You do. <laughs> would stamp eight <laughs> times. And uh, he also could understand stuff and he would do this with the stamping, or stomping, right? They then found out that the horse could not do math the horse was picking up subtle cues. Yeah, when you relaxed
0: he realized he was at the number he needed to be at or he stopped long enough. Right.
1: But
2: what was said... It's funny where you're going with this because I wanted to
1: say this last week too. You
0: did? Yeah. What
1: what never is said by skeptics, this is a big hole in the skeptic kind of thinking, at least my skeptic kind of thinking. I don't need to speak for anyone else. But a big mistake I made is in pushing for the anti- supernatural stuff, bring up clever haunts, bring up psychics, or just reading people from stuff we can see, you lose the absolute wonder of what's really being done. A person is not able to pick up the cues. The fact that a horse can pick up the cues of their trainer relaxing,
0: Yeah, that's an amazing
1: Whereas the people watching are obviously not seeing that cue, or they would see him signaling the horse. Right. So the horse is picking up these incredibly subtle cues. So what Clever Hans does in reading the trainer's body language is as remarkable as if the horse could do mathematics. (laughs) And we see this with dogs, too. Yeah. They say they don't understand the words, just understand the emotion, the tone of your voice. And so right. understanding the emotion, the tone of your voice is a remarkable thing.
0: Well, someone on uh, Facebook today claiming that they have uh, a word board with their dog and their dog is communicating with them. That a word board, yeah. So, you know, the dog wants outside or water or play or ball. And, you know, the claim is that it's pushing the right buttons and understands what it's saying and that it's making sentences. Which is you know, it's a pretty remarkable claim, and, and uh, it's an interesting thing to see, but it's not done in, in a controlled circumstance. So Right, but what is what's the fa- dog reading the owner? What's
1: it? fascinating to me is that uh, we skeptics are, are throwing out a much more interesting baby along with the <laughs> dull bathwater. Yeah,
2: Right. I'm on the spectrum. This is a blind spot for my entire life. Mm-hmm. The dog and the horse. Know more about reading social cues than I do. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you're not alone because the other people standing around Clever Hans did not pick up the trainer doing that. The trainer was not doing a big hand gesture.
0: Right. He was picking up the relaxing. But also apparently Clever Hans was able to do this without the trainer in the room because he could read that same response in other people. Exactly. Even which more. Is, that's pretty impressive.
1: Even more astonishing. Yeah, And uh, so those of us who have spent the majority of our life trashing psychics may be missing the poetic beauty of if someone comes into a room for help and you deeply pay attention to what help they want, you may be able to help them pretending to use tarot cards, pretending to use astrology, pretending to use anything just by simply being in a room concerned with someone else's problems. Right. Which does not sound that amazing unless you think about a stranger being able to help you with your problems, which also in talk therapy, psychoanalysis, we now know, I think, don't we know that Freud just a uh, just a nutbag?
0: Yeah, I think we're pretty clear on that. I think
1: everybody knows Freud just it,
0: nutbag. It's bag.
2: taught in class. Yeah. You spend six weeks on Freud, and then the next six weeks talking about how he's full of
1: shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, but the idea that being in a room with somebody, no matter what kind of machination you're using, even if it's, it, it's at- attached to nothing, you, uh, you, you actually can get
0: useful information for people. People were helped by crazy shit. and Well, you know, it's like we talk about with the chiropractors versus massage. You know, therapeutic massage is every bit as effective as chiropractic. And it's just uh, human interaction is what we need. You know what I mean? It, 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 the, yeah. the pretense of, of it being a medical treatment wasn't important as much as someone rubbing your back. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the same thing that's true in and, this. And, and then we get to
1: very clearly...
0: The thing that drives me the most crazy in the world,
1: the placebos work, even if you know yeah. they're placebos. <laughs> I'm okay with placebos working. Yeah. When you add, even if you know they're placebos, I go ape shit.
0: I go ape shit over that. That is a,
1: yeah. Because, first of all, how do you test that?
0: <laughs> What's your control group? Um, the placebo, placebo.
1: <laughs> placebo, placebo, yeah. Actually, I'm trying to write a magic trick now where I talk about the uh, magic wand as mm-hmm. being a placebo that you know is a placebo. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a pretty interesting idea I just haven't got a trick to go with it. We have a new trick on the show. Water. We should probably make sure that everybody knows we're
2: still not on board with people using that as a wind of opportunity to rip people off. Absolutely.
1: Not at all. It's a terrible-
0: I'm not going thing. soft on those evil bastards. No, not at all.
1: It's just interesting that there's another place that you can go with that. That there is something fascinating about it. You know, And when, uh, when my friend Kerry Coleman- uh, on, uh, on uh, Sin City Spectacular set up astrology to do readings. She was amazed. Because all, and I've said this many times, all that psychic cold reading shows you is that poetry is good. Poetry feels universal because we all share so much in our hearts. It's actually all coming from a very, very beautiful place. Speaking of coming from a beautiful place, better help. Yeah. Better help. This is exactly the right thing. I have been using it. And I am going to be using it more, much more and better than a psychic. Um, better than a psychic. They're claiming to be doing what they're doing. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can now get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat or text with your therapist. Licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. Some of these they're trying to stop you from having. Some of these they're trying to help you have. Uh, Anything you share is confidential. I've started this, by the way. Yeah. I'm doing it. And uh, I got too busy to go further, but the follow-ups have been great. They say right here you can change a new therapist instantly. Uh, The first one I got was fabulous. I think she's wonderful. 3,000 US licensed therapists across all 50 states available worldwide for communication modes text, chat, phone, and video, start communicating in under 24 hours, available on desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS apps, schedule video or phone. I haven't done a phone session or video session yet. Mm-hmm. I've been all text. I like text very much. But uh, she said when I was trying to find time to talk about things in a little more detail, uh, she said that uh, phone might save me a lot of time. So I might try that. Financial aid is available for those who qualify, secure, convenient, professional, affordable. And uh, obviously... You do not use this for a crisis. Right. Well, it's it not going not take them 24 su- hours to get back to you. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, they don't, it doesn't take 24 hours to get back to you. Once you're involved, they get back it's, to you. Right, the first communication. Yeah. Best of all, it's truly affordable. Penn Sunday School listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code. Pen. Uh, so why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash... Pen. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash...
0: Pen. 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 Uh, pen. Pen. pen.
1: It's, uh, <laughs> it's really good. I was really... Uh, it's really interesting to have someone who... See, I've never done any therapy. So it's very interesting to have someone who... uh uh, uh, there weren't the social conventions of going back and forth in a conversation. I could actually say, I know I'm talking about my problems too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, pl- I don't have
1: to listen to your problems. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting. And she was very, very good. And I don't think I got lucky. I filled out a long questionnaire, and they they matched me with someone. I don't think I just happened to get the one fabulous therapist. That it is. seems more likely that they're all pretty good. You know, you can talk about this, Quip. Yeah, let's talk about Quip. Quip. Makers of the Quip tooth electric toothbrush want you to know that the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care is simply this, that it's good habits, you're doing good. You want good habits in your oral yeah. hygiene. And I don't have to tell anybody oral hygiene is wicked important. No. We wrote a song about it called Oral Hygiene. You find it on iTunes by <laughs> Bongos, Bass, and Bob. Oral hygiene will tell you what I feel about oral hygiene. Two minutes of brushing twice a day, flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Quip makes it simple, starting with electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti cavity toothpaste. It all comes right to you. You get a subscription. A toothpaste subscription. Quip's electric toothbrush is sensitive sonic vibration with a built in timer and 30 second pulses to guide a full and even clean. Uh, The other night, I was with my wife, and we were both uh, doing our preparations for bed. Mm -hmm. And she said, are you still doing ads for Quip? I said, yeah. She said, because I use it all the time, and it's great at home, but it's even better on the road.
0: Yeah. So on the road, she had just taken a trip and was just carrying on how she loves her Quip. Don't have to have the charger. It's got the battery power. It's going to work the whole time you're on the road. It's good. It's just
1: great. So if you go to com slash pen, right? What What'd I just do. <laughs> if you go to getquip.com slash pen right now, you'll get your first <laughs> refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash pen. That's spelled G E T Q U I P dot com slash pen. Quip. The Good Habits. I thought I was fired for a moment there. (laughs) I know. I was all of a sudden like going, I was going
2: rogue on my own. Going rogue on my own. Also, we landed in unison. Nice. Instead of Harmony. Yeah. Do you want to try it again? Okay.
1: (laughs) Getquip.com slash.
0: There you go. Um, Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Hail Satan? Hail Satan? Penny's uh, movie is fantastic. Wow. I really enjoyed it. Wow. I got to uh, you know,
1: I uh they did a screening in LA. Yeah. And one of the problems with Penny's movie, I think, is that it's so funny and so delightful to watch that people tend to forget how heavy and important
0: it is. It is It is a really great mess. Really, really
1: heavy and really, really important. And I was, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Magnolia mm-hmm. got in touch with me and they wanted to, uh, and I'm trying to suck up to Magnolia because I want them to have other people on from their film company, right? Mm. From, you know, I want other directors. We want other directors and writers on. So I was trying to do everything Magnolia asked. They asked me to do this screening in... Uh, in LA and uh, beautiful screen. Have you ever been to Alamo theaters? No. Alamo theaters. Have you? Alamo draft house. Draft house. You've been there? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nice. Isn't it? Yeah. They have really, really good popcorn. <laughs> Ooh, crazy good popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really nice. What's the, uh, it's so funny. If you told someone this um, 30 years ago, it would have laughed in your face. Mexican bottled water. Uh, oh, yeah. The, uh, topo Cho Topo Chico. Yeah. Topo Chico
0: is <laughs> <Yeah, it's laughs> so good. It really bubbles. a really good one. Yeah.
1: Because kind of I, w- I want to put out super bubbly seltzer. Mm-hmm. Pens knock your head off. Because I like my <laughs> seltzer so bubbly. That was good. And uh, the movie, um, you know, before we had her on the show, I had seen a uh, rough cut. Mm. No, that's not true. I had seen a very, very advanced copy that was very close to the finished one, mm-hmm. but I hadn't seen the finished one. So I sat and watched it, which I never do. When I intro a, a second movie time, and yeah. then do, I never, I never,
0: ever watch. some coffee, have a little snack, come on back. But I was yeah. there with
1: Handsome Jack and uh, Rich Nathanson, mm-hmm. a bunch of the guys were there, and uh, we uh, the, it killed the crowd just killed them. running elk was there killed the crowd they loved it and then afterwards i did a q a with penny lane and i've done hosting q a's before and i have tricks to do because you know when you're when i'm hosting a q a uh because i do have done podcasts or radio for so long all the time and because i'm this, the the talker in the penn and teller show <laughs> if there's dead air i want to jump in of course and when I am doing a and a that I'm hosting, like I did with Stan Freeberg, or I did a few of yeah. them, uh, I'm not the one they want to listen to. I'm not the one to talk, right? I'm supposed <laughs> to ask a question. So I do this trick where I've got a hand mic in my hand. And when I've asked a question, I put the microphone in my lap and move my hands away. Mm-hmm. So I have the added time of picking up the mic to think if I want <laughs> yeah, to really I talk. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, I should shut up. <laughs> And when I'm interviewing other people uh, other than Penny Lane, uh, it's difficult because I go, "Mm, boy, I wish they'd said that differently. Right. Because I don't ever interview someone without knowing a lot about them. So I go, oh, I wish, well, they're here to see them. Yeah. So let, let them do their thing. But Penny is so articulate and so knowledgeable about this, I didn't even have that tension. It was actually a very relaxing experience. I, just, I mostly got to hear Penny Lane talk about a movie and ask the questions I wanted to ask. That's but great. if you have not seen Hail Satan, it's on, uh, it's on Hulu. And I expected it to be a very threatening movie to those who are um, theists. I said it be very threatening to theists because it deals with people pushing freedom of speech and so on. Turns out it's more threatening to atheists because <laughs> it really deals with the idea of a religion without a god. Because I was very happy understanding the uh, satanic temple as, uh, as- As performance art. Performance art.
0: And as a joke. Political
1: theater. Yeah, And as trolling. I wasn't able to see it as a real religion. And it is a real religion. And that's something
0: that's mind-blowing.
1: So it was a nice it was a nice experience there.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of great points made that m- make you go, well, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, just see it. <laughs> this, because there's no reason not to. It's enjoyable all the way right.
1: through. It's really interesting. It is. We got a new bit in the show, Watermelon Surgery.
0: Yeah. Which, uh... I was in your shop when they were shopping for the... For the uh, the device.
1: Yeah, the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there's, uh, there's, You guys are spending a lot of money on some of these tricks. <laughs> that's, that's the interesting thing. Randy Wolf, Dr. Randy Wolf, mm-hmm. is a surgeon in Dallas, I think. Right. Or maybe Houston, I think in Dallas. And he's a magician, but he also has, you know, he has a whole, uh, there's a Wolf procedure, which is a heart surgery that he developed. Nice. And he invited me in to watch him do the surgery. They collapse the lungs, they go into laparoscopically. Wow. And uh, do this heart thing. And I watched him do that and got the idea for this trick (laughs) that we could do. You know, there's a standard thing that's done in magic, which is, uh, you know, spectator's object in possible location. Yes. Borrowed object in possible location. And uh, there's a lot, there's rings that are vanished and show up in all sorts of places, often next nest of boxes or something. And I thought it'd be really funny to uh, actually, my original idea was a bill, you know, bill with serial number. Tell her the better idea of a ring to have that vanish and appear inside a watermelon and then go in laparoscopically with the tools and get it out. Jeff
0: McBride came in to help us a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Teller's running the- Part game. of your your uh, stranger's director's yeah, yeah. program. <laughs> We're doing a lot of that stranger <laughs> director
1: program. We brought Jeff in and Randy Wolf, Dr. Randy Wolf, who's- uh, I haven't seen him do magic, but I've seen him do surgery. and He's great. <laughs> he sent us all the equipment. He sent us- the actual cameras and stuff they use for laparoscopic surgery. He sent us like, you know, a hundred grand worth of shit. Yeah. And gave it to us. And then we worked on the trick and got pretty good at it. And then he called up and said, the teaching college needs them back.
0: <laughs>
1: so we shipped it all back. And then we had to replace yeah. it ourselves. That's the day I was there. <laughs> and the amazing thing is, if you don't need the camera to be um, clean, Clean. I guess that's the word. Uh, you can Terrible. get it pretty cheap now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's just hard to find it. 1000 bucks. You know? Oh, okay. Then you did better than I. Than when I was there. When yeah. I was there, it was we were looking at the $20,000 yeah, yeah. range for a, a, a laparoscopic camera. Yeah, well, it ends up, you, there's a lot of
1: uses for a little camera like that with a light yes. uh,
0: that doesn't have to go inside. I have one in my garage. Yeah. You know, for plumbing stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's, uh, because you really want to look down your toilet bowl. (laughs) Um, And it was, uh, uh, we got got another one of the tools you reach in and it's all Mm stainless and stuff. And uh, I had envisioned that when you put a camera inside a watermelon, it would look uh, uh, very much like inside a human being. Mm -hmm. And it was beyond my wildest dreams. And, you know, we have the huge IMAG screens of the thing. Yeah. And the thing goes in the watermelon, and you look at it, and it is one of the most obscene things you've ever seen in your life. And I have <laughs> one of my favorite jokes to do in the show, mm-hmm. where I point up at the screen with the whole audience looking at it, and I go, Jesus, that uh, that looks that looks really just <laughs> like the inside of a watermelon. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you really do see a colonoscopy. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. You do, you do the see The little tunnel trick everything. Everything. And- oh, it's,
1: it's amazing. It's exact. It's exact. The colors and everything, it's exact. And uh, it really came out, came out beautifully. Oh, and then I to have to it. go in and the ring is in the watermelon. And then I have to go in to legitimately find it with this tool and get a hold of it with the tool and everything. And we're uh, rehearsing it. And we're doing a real rehearsal. So we do the setup, the vanish of the ring, the patter. Then we go into the watermelon and it was... For me to get a hold of the ring was over fifteen minutes. <laughs> and Jeff McBride is there going, Well, if you cut everything cut like three other bits of your show, I guess you could do this. <laughs> but now I've been nailing it right on. All all. Right. I mean we did we've we got done, some surgery skills now. We've done three versions of it, three three performances of it in front of an audience. And all three, I probably nailed it within
0: twenty seconds. Oh, that's great. That's great. So are you guys eating a lot of watermelon backstage now? <laughs> no. We
1: actually give the watermelon to the audience. Oh, now. sign it and hand
0: it. <laughs> so they get, a, they get watermelon
1: to sit at their seat, which I don't think is something you want in your seat when you're mm. watching a show, which I think also makes it really funny. <laughs> they get a spork, a spork, and the watermelon, right. their ring back. And uh, the new bit I'm doing stupid is in the show and doing very, very well. Kay. And this new bit we have called uh, forging, or actually pico, we call it, uh, pull your cash out. We have been uh, doing, and those are all really good in the show. And five other new bits going in probably within three weeks. Wow, that's gonna be great. Yeah, really, really good. And you know, handcuffs, yeah. we did that. Yeah, handcuffs we, back in? Well, not yet, but
0: it's not gonna yet. go back okay. okay, in. I talked about that it. It is
1: one of my favorite bits, really. Yeah, we talked about it elaborately there. And I just finished a book. God damn it, I finished a book.
0: Um, <laughs> now, see, this is not like some, you know, uh, like me. Finishing a book. This is a you read a lot of books. I read For you to go, I finished a book is great. I mean, I read nonfiction, so it takes a long time to get through it. Oh, but... I, you
1: read bullshit. Fuck you. You read less than I do. I do read less. It's than... Not what you. No, read. I, I I read nonfiction too. You know, stupid but asshole. But I'm just slow at it. I'm oh, slow. Okay. Okay, that's, that's what
0: I meant. <laughs> that's different. It's slow. I'm. I, I read time.
1: nonfiction and I read fiction. Right. I read both and I try to read an hour and a half, to right. two hours a night. Yeah. It's just hard to get caught up in the nonfiction and keep going past bedtime. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, what I do is I read news and ephemera mm-hmm. during the day. Yeah. And then at night, I settle down and read something serious. So, um, this book, Olive Kitterich, which, by the way, Francis dormant, she, she bought the thing that's an HBO series. Oh, okay. Uh, boy. I haven't seen it. Might be great, boy. It seems like the stupidest thing in the world to buy this. Yeah, as as a TV show, <laughs> uh, because the what makes the book fabulous is all the writing. You know, um, real literature, no kidding literature. Once again, we're going to come to Bob Dylan. Uh, Bob Dylan said in an interview. Way back, way back, early I must years. catch up with them, <laughs> for I am their leader. <laughs> right? the, the times, gather around people, Gandhi and um, Martin Luther King. Bob Dylan said, and I, I have books of Bob Dylan interviews yeah. that I read. I also watch a lot of the press conferences that have been uh, recorded. And Bob said that he wanted to learn to play guitar without tricks. And I've talked about this before. And uh, of the many, many things Bob has said that have affected me, um, this one kills me because the way I perceive it is when you're playing guitar and doing something artistic, uh, nobody should have any idea how good you are. Mm. You know, Jimmy Mack, Jimmy Mack, yeah, guitar or- player in town, Jimmy Mackintosh, One of my favorite guitar players plays in the No No God Band with me, plays in the Lon Bronson All-Stars, a dear person, wonderful person. Um, You never know how good he is. Right. You tell him any song you want to play, anything you're doing, anytime he solos, I have no idea where the headroom is. He's up to the task,
0: no matter what the task requested.
1: And then the solo is dictated by his heart and by the song and by the emotion that he's trying to get across, it's not dictated by his skill. You don't ever get the feeling, I learned to do this run really fast the other day, I'm going to throw it in. And Bob Dylan's guitar playing, um, we forget how good a guitar player Bob Dylan is, mm. or was, he doesn't play guitar much anymore, but we forget how good he was. Because, you know, the, the the intellectual ideas are so strong, mm-hmm. you kind of don't really not go...
0: generally what you're listening to in a Bob Dylan right. song. But if you
1: go on a really good stereo... To those first few albums that are solo acoustic.
0: Mm.
1: Bob's a good guitar player, really good folk guitar player. And to play without tricks. Now, this is something, I've talked about this before, but in magic, what I'm really trying to do is magic without tricks. What I mean is the tricks are there, but no like cheap jokes or bullshit or anything, but to be there and just talk about what we're doing and be open and real. I try to change introductions. You know, my new way of introducing stuff in the show, and I hope people can notice it, or I I hope once I pointed out, you could notice it. That I now try to do intros to bits in the show like I was talking to Handsome Jack or someone telling them about the bit and what I was going to do. Just completely break down the walls with the audience. And on bullshit, I used to talk to Star all the time and you all the time about how I wanted the talk on bullshit to be as though I were sitting on the couch yeah. with people in their living room going, this is what I saw, without any artifice. Now, because I'm a juggler uh, and started out as a juggler, in a, in juggling, you cannot conceal your skill, except that I – When I do a routine, I try to make it look like I never practiced, like it was just natural and going to pieces. That's a joke
0: in my show now.
1: Even in juggling, even in juggling, uh, a certain kind of juggling, you want to do it without tricks. You want to do it transparently. You know, the the purpose of art is to conceal the art. That's what you want to do. And uh, I often come up with high concept ideas. Yes. I often come up with a high concept idea that sounds very good in a pitch. I mean, director's cut, my movie Mm -hmm. is as high concept as you can get. A lot of our tricks are rather high concept. If I describe to you what all of Kitteridge is, it is a book of a collection of short stories where one character appears, sometimes as the protagonist and sometimes as a secondary character in these short stories. And she is a, a retired school teacher living in Maine. That sounds
0: good. I I really like the idea of oh, that. what I mean is
1: she, she's not an alien.
0: Not a cop. <laughs> it's not it's not being
1: written from the point of view of, for instance, my book, A Sock Monkey. Mm-hmm. It's not um No tricks. There are no tricks. No tricks. She just talks about real people's experience in life and real people's depth and understanding. Quotient. It's just all this, uh, and the voice is beautiful. And even, this is the other thing, the writing is so beautiful that it's very hard to pull sections where the writing is beautiful. You don't get that. That's the perfect turn of phrase. Right. She never pulls you out of it. You're absolutely deep inside life. It really feels that. Not even the story. feels like you're deep inside life. It's what I always thought great literature was supposed to be. And um, I resisted this because uh, when you read how brilliant it is, you think, well, you know, uh, mezzanine. You know, uh, yeah. Nicholson Baker, the whole book is written with what's going on in a guy's head when he walks to the escalator. Uh, Nicholson Baker, the the whole book is what he remembers about Updike and yeah. he goes back and checks it. Uh, all these high level ideas that are beautiful and I always love them. But all of Kitteridge, this woman's writing, sitting there in the dark on my Kindle before going to sleep. Really relaxed and receptive, her way of seeing the world and looking at the world, so deep, so honest, so thoughtful. I mean, she is uh, just make
0: me read some fiction.
1: I think I think (laughs) I think you'll kill.
0: I think I have to now. That just sounds. It just sounds too great. And she just
1: has another. I mean, a sequel. I guess she wrote the original about fifteen years ago. Uh, and the sequel is out now, which is more of this, which I just started right away. I said, you know, my usual thing is I would finish this book, and then, you know, I get a few books working. I got uh, two Shakespeare books working and a physics book working and a a neurobiology book working. Uh, Those are all going. Mm -hmm. And I get a few others on my list, people have given me, and I was going to go away from her as an author and then come back. I got a book on Zen that I'm reading and then come back to her after that, but I I can't do it. I got to go right into the next book, and I'm even worried uh, she has uh, the author has um, several books that aren't all of Kitteridge. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking maybe I got to read everything she's written. It's so crazy good. I got to tell you this. You know, there's many less tricks than Moby Dick. It's just right. it's just such pure literature. It's just what human beings are supposed to do. When they share their heart with somebody else. But it really beautiful. is Sounds as great. beautiful, as beautiful as you could, uh, you could have. It's, it's a mind, mind blowing book. And it is deeply sad and deeply joyous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it is the fleetingness of life and how life lasts too long. It's all the things that really are what we feel in the human experience. It's, it, it, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And it's also, it's New England which is not a team thing for me being from New England. So let me but ask it, you, would it be good? It does good? mean when she talks about the foliage,
0: it's, it's what I, it's what I, what can, I. And you can smell it. I can smell when it. When she now. talks about it, you yeah, can, yeah, smell, can smell, it. smell it. That's nice. That's a really nice thing. Is, uh, is there an audiobook version? And would it be worth listening to an audiobook? Or is it, in your opinion, uh, a reading thing? Jeez, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. You know, the,
1: I say this in our show about learning magic. You know, we did a master class, and it's on video, and its I think it's really good. The people that did the master class thing were phenomenally good. Mm-hmm. And if you want to learn magic, the Penn & Teller master class is a really good thing. But that having been said, and a lot of people go back to the show and say they're actually performing, having seen the master class, mm-hmm. magic is really useful to have video of to learn. Uh, but we tried hard on our master class and uh, there is a book, uh, you know, PDF that comes with it. Mm-hmm. I believe there's nothing more intimate, nothing more intimate than a book. Because a book happens inside your head. Yes. And I tell people who are learning magic, you know, if you, if you start with our master class and get interested, when you're going to learn other tricks, read books. And uh, it's that great Martin Mull story of the uh when he was uh when he was teaching at RISD uh, a yeah. rolling school of design he had the person that said that their their style was too close to van gogh they wanted to, right. all they were trying to do is van gogh and the teacher said to the the uh the student that was obsessed with van gogh i think it was van gogh doesn't really matter mm-hmm. that they had one van gogh, or van gogh in the uh in the in, in the collection there yeah. at uh, RISD, and the professor said uh They said, I don't know gender, they said that um, they would allow this student the ability to go in with the Van Gogh and look at it all day and all night and try to duplicate it exactly. And the teacher said, professor said, you go in there and you try to copy the Van Gogh completely and perfectly. And the difference between your Van Gogh and the original Van Gogh, that's your style. And what I love about learning something from books is when I'm reading, I'm I'm working on a new magic trick, solo trick. I got it written up and there's a click, there's a click that I can go and see a video of the guy who invented it doing it. I don't click to that forever. I wait forever to click to that uh, because um, I want to get it in my head with all the mistakes of my translation and I want it to be in my voice and I want it to be me.
0: Yeah, the misunderstanding leads to a, a new discovery in the trick, and also I'm bringing more to it.
1: When yeah. I'm reading. Yeah, when you're watching a video, and this is all the stuff people say to hate video, and they, they may be accurate, in movies, and that's why the all of Kitteridge stuff. I feel so strongly that I own that, that it's me, that it really is me, mm. because it happens right. in
0: my head. You had these thoughts.
1: Now, when you have it read to you. It's one separation. Then you've got a voice. Yeah, there is
0: another step. You get a voice.
1: It, uh, and then uh, Francis McDormand, I can imagine her reading this and loving it. I can't imagine saying, I can bring something to this on screen. It's so confusing to me. And it almost seems to me like when they're making movies and someone comes in with a pitch, if the pitch is great, they should not buy it. <laughs> because that means that the pitch is what's good about it, you know. I've I've always thought about doing a series of videos where I call uh, tell it don't show it because I can I have really good pitches, yeah, and many of my really great pitches do not lead to good shows, do not lead to good projects, uh, because they are high concept and have the tricks. You're entertaining, but, and what I when love what I love about all of Kitteridge, is that I don't believe there's a good pitch in there at all. There's nothing
0: good in there at all.
1: There's no good pitch. It's the actual thing that's fabulous.
0: So maybe, and not maybe Francis McDormand feels that and can bring that to life. Let's hope. Maybe,
1: maybe. Although I'm afraid to watch it because already, already knowing Francis McDormand is playing Olive yeah. Kitteridge, already that shifts. Because, you know, the descriptions of Olive of Kitteridge are not Francis McDormand, right? It's it, the the all of Kitteridge in the book is a bigger woman, Francis McDormand, and um, and um, uh, not as attractive, mm-hmm. uh, sloppier, and I mean maybe she brings all that to the TV show. I haven't seen it, and I really don't want to. <laughs> really don't. Want, I mean, no matter how good it is, I don't want her. Uh, fuck you, stay away from, stay away from right. my book, you know. And uh, but uh, I'm really interested in that idea of um, being able to do art without tricks
0: right doing art that's pure and uh a joke similar to that in my show I, I may have told you this before was i've discovered that if you uh practice really hard you can do really scary tricks but if you don't practice they're all scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty close to that theory <laughs> yeah yeah
1: it's uh it's a pretty great thing but this uh this all of uh, all of kitteridge is a uh, is a really really great moving book yeah i think I think it will uh i think it'll probably kill you dead, I, I think it'll kill you dead it sure like a hammer. like it it's uh it's a really really good, yeah, you know we're gonna have it's so hard because we now have ten banked shows I know because I'm going to go to uh London and I'm going to go to Australia I go to london uh like I said December eighth or ninth mm-hmm. and right after we do uh Windstar. And I'm over there for two or three weeks working on Magic Goes Wrong, which opens in London. If you're over in London,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, Magic I'm Goes sure Wrong, it's sold out for months already. Yeah, it is, but <laughs> it's still a great show. And uh, and then you know it's not sold out. North Pole's got talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell them when that is, you know. December sixth through the twenty second in Williams, Arizona, at the Sultana Theater, right along Route sixty six. No shows December seventh, twelfth, or seventeenth. Good, go see Godot. <laughs> Come see that. Go see Godot live, and then I need in, your help. Speaking of <laughs> speaking
1: of sold out, yeah, uh, we're playing um, in January. Almost all of January, we're gone. Uh, we leave early on, and we're st- we're there till February. We're playing the Sydney Opera House. And we're playing uh, Brisbane at the uh, QPAC, I guess. Okay. Thing.
0: First time in Australia?
1: No, I've been, I've been there. Okay, okay. Performing? Yes. Okay. First time doing shows there. We were down well, there.
0: You, it'll go well. I was over there with Teller 15 years ago, and everyone recognized Teller walking in the streets. Well, we already
1: know that um, it's uh, it's whatever. It's it's now November, and every seat sold to both both oh, shows. Oh wow. We'll probably still do press over there, yeah. Because I, uh, I'll tell you the secret of Ben and Teller. We play London, you know. We play the Hammersmith Apollo, mm-hmm. and we go around there. Those shows all sell out, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying poverty here. We make money from those. We would actually make the same amount of money if we stayed in Vegas, right? We go over there to do that because so many people from England see all the press of us when we're over there. And then when they come to Vegas, they come to see us. And in Australia, a great, a lot of our audience, because if you want to be a successful show in Vegas, we are the most successful show in Vegas where you have to speak English. Yeah. The shows were more successful than us. Um, blue man group, uh, well, of course, they can do more shows than us. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. Same thing yeah. with Cirque.
0: <laughs> uh, Cirque to so what? They have- uh, You have to show up to do a Penn & Teller show. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to. <laughs> the blue Cir- don't have to. <laughs> nor, nor do the
1: Cirque people. You don't have to speak English for those. Right. So they have the whole world that visits Vegas to come to their show. We have to pull hard from the US, Canada, uh, England, and Australia.
0: speaking world. We
1: really do. So we have to cater- to uh to australia and, and the uk very much and so we haven't been down there which has been bad so we may do a lot of press on a sold out show to sell more tickets in uh, in vegas but i'm looking
0: forward to australia well, and i don't doing i don't know many people down there apprentice you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah. to sell tickets to your show yeah. <laughs> uh and it's not because uh, you feel like boy this would be great i should go hang out with that guy <laughs> <laughs> But uh, don't make that comparison, okay? Because Sorry, <laughs> Australia is actually—it's going to be a joy. It's actually love full it. of
1: wonderful people.
0: It is full of wonderful. people. And We're there people. in
1: January, which Tyler is the summer. I a blast. It's the summer, ah, the summer in Sydney. Yeah, and do a little uh, surfing. Uh, do some
0: surfing uh, you know, while you're down
1: there. I don't think so. <laughs> well,
0: maybe you should try. I don't know. This is your
1: chance. But uh, it's uh, you know I'm always I'm always working the whole time. I have no time, you know. Uh, My wife brought up this island that's two and a half hours away. With Sundays, is that it? Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, there's some beautiful island there, and she have a friend who has a house there,
0: and we could two and a half hour flight. She says, and that's nothing. And I just go ah. Christ. Here's the thing, you just need to send Godot and your proxy on those things. (laughs) I'll go surf, I'll go visit this beautiful island for you, and I'll bring you photos and tell you all about them. I really,
1: really don't want to, and you can't convince anybody of this. You can't convince, even my family I can't convince of this. When I am going on the road, I am not visiting places. I'm not going other places. I am working, right? Yeah. When you are on a vacation, your goal is to make your surroundings as different from your surroundings at home yes. as possible. You want it to be a different environment. When I go on the road, I try to set up my hotel room exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I need to live my life. I want to read. I want to read my Kindle. I want to sit in the bathtub. I want to work on new bits. I want to type. I want to sit and have coffee right. in a Starbucks that I recognize. The idea Uh, of going in a – we'll be in a log cabin. We'll be by the – I don't (laughs) give a fuck about any of that. We'll do that. You know, we have two weeks off, we'll go to Newfoundland. And then I won't do any of that. I'll relax and be with my family and go hiking and do all of that. But I have to do shows and I have to do press and I have to be pen of pen and teller. Yes, it's nice to be in Australia. And I will see slightly different stuff on the way to work and the way back. But I'm going to try to minimize that part of that. Of course. You know, my friend uh, Rob Robin Renee, my friends Robin and yeah. Renee are in Sydney, and I will see them and chat with them, and that'll be nice. I don't know anybody in Brisbane. I will find, you know, a local uh, vegan restaurant, mm-hmm. and I will enjoy that very much. But I am not going traveling. I'm going to work with a longer commute.
0: No, I understand. People say, you know, uh, how was England? Go, well, it looked like the inside of every other theater I've been to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Doc
1: Swan. My dear Carney friend used to say that he would be on the road with the carnival for uh, eight months, and he'd come home, and his girlfriend would say, "Let's go somewhere." <laughs> 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 he said, "No, I just, I just want to sit here." Now, of course, that contradicts a little bit of what yep. he said because <laughs> I, you know I'm happy to go to Newfoundland after right. I've done that. I hope you know we're going to take two weeks off next year. We getting yeah. crazy now. Um, in June, right after the children get out of school. And I'm hoping that my family decides they want to go to Newfoundland again. Because <laughs> I really like that. I mean, we may have to go somewhere else. We may want right. to go because the children want to see more of the world. But if I had my druthers, The world that I would see would be Las Vegas and Newfoundland, and that would be it. I'd be very, very happy with those two places being the places that I live. I like that very, very much. But I'm telling you. You still have love for New York though, right? I do. I do have love for New York. There's a lot of places I like. That's just bullshit what I just said. Because I also also love London. And when I was down in uh, Tasmania... Yeah, I bet. Which was kind of semi-vacation because I was down there, you know, with with right. uh, Tim's um, working working on the Vermeer stuff with Tim. We were working on making another movie, but we were also, you know, I wasn't shaving. That's the big difference. <laughs> I'm not shaving, and I'm wearing a baseball hat.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I will not shave until next week.
1: Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh not shaving and having. I also, Glenn doesn't like me to wear a baseball hat
0: on show days.
1: Because my hair doesn't look as good oh, on stage. Okay. <laughs> so if you, I have a show tonight, so I'm not wearing a baseball hat. Yeah. But if you see me unshaven with a baseball hat, you know I'm relaxing. Yeah. That's what you can know. It's a right?
0: good day to ask for an autograph.
1: <laughs> Actually, it's not even a baseball hat. It's a monkey's hat. Yeah. And I, for those of you who have seen me uh, on red carpet and so on wearing a hat that says the monkey's, an old beat up baseball hat, won't you know that I have 15 of those? A 15 matching, fatigued yep. baseball uh, baseball hat of the monkeys. Uh, that's the way I live.
0: I have... Uh, my wife hates that. 30 work shirts. What? <laughs> I was wearing an outfit one day, and she said, that looks good. You look good in that. And I went out and bought 10 of them and started wearing them every day. <laughs> Three months later, you went, you've worn nothing else since I said that, have you? <laughs> right. That's the way I'd like to be, uniform.
1: You look into my closet, it's, it's black work shirts. Mm-hmm. It's um, uh, lucky jeans. Uh, it's black socks, it's bamboo underwear, I wear bamboo underwear, mm. and uh, baseball hat, sweatshirt, wear the same thing all the time. I do not like to change what I'm wearing for my clothes. You know, Glenn picks what he's going to wear carefully. Mm. I, exactly the same all the time. And then when I had to do the q and A, I I put a, a suit jacket over the work shirt and up. then took the suit jacket off and put on my sweatshirt to go out to eat afterwards with my friends. Because,
0: you know, everybody's there, rich and running out yeah. and everything. And we went out to... Um... All in the same shirt, like we are now. <laughs> exactly. That's the way it
1: should be. That's the way it should be.
0: You've supplied us uh, with our uniform.
1: But I, did, I, did I... Do you have a big enough sell to all of Kitteridge? I think that you, know, you it's made, very me, yeah It's very easy for me to sell the nonfiction books, you know, the uh, those books. I read those. I can understand that. It's very easy for me to sell stuff like Unoya... You know, constrained poetry. But, you know, I I just feel guilty after I read all of Kitteridge because that's where books really live. That's where books really live. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, that was Penn Sunday School. I (laughs) said, cha cha cha. Well, you know, you become naked.
0: I'm a little sad that they interrupted your Foghorn Leghorn sound like you were going into there. Was, I
1: say, I say, I say, I say,
0: that was Penn Sunday School, son. I'm talking to you. Where's Winnihan?
1: That's what Wina I heard.
0: Henn? That was
1: Penn Sunday School. I am just, except for the southern accent, I am just Foghorn. <laughs> you are Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> You know, I love you.
0: I accept my role as Chicken Little. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting life spin kicks lgbtq community how to defend yourself against the shark if it attacks you out of nowhere and much much more so come join us don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a turbo expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax makes them count that means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes